It's Oregon Wine Month. Our state has over 700 wineries, and nearly a dozen of them are located right here in Portland. Today on the show, our host, Claudia Meza, is talking with Eater Portland editor Brooke Jackson-Glidden about why Oregon wine is considered among the best in the world and our favorite places to sit. It's Monday, May 15th. I'm lead producer John Natariani, in for Claudia, and this is what Portland's talking about. Happy Wine Month, Brooke. Thank you. It's the most wonderful time of year. Yeah. How are you planning on celebrating? <laughs> oh, um, with wine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you have a lot to be celebrating. Uh, congratulations on your James Beard Award nomination. Totally, totally nuts. Um, I, uh, I, I definitely feel like I have won the lottery to just be in the room or in the category with the people I'm in the category with, but it's been really fun. Okay, well, back to wine month. Um, I love that we have an, an entire, like Oregon is just like, this is it, May, you know? Um, yeah. But compared to the rest of the world, Oregon's wine industry is super young. It's like baby. A hundred percent. Like, I think, you know, we think about Oregon Pinot being like, oh, you know, this is this thing. It's what we're known for. People have been doing it forever. People have only been really planting Pinot in Oregon since like the 60s. So it's like very, very young compared to the rest of the world. And I mean, we're making world class Pinot Noir here. But so like, what do you think makes Oregon wine like Oregon wine? Like, why are we so special? I'll be here for two days. <laughs> I think um, we have a really interesting sort of soil profile. <laughs> I know that's a, an odd, like not to get too nerdy here. We have this interesting combination of soils um, and like layered soils throughout uh, the Willamette Valley that creates a lot of different expressions of, of Pinot Noir. So you have like a lot of different styles of a single wine. So you have like that jory soil, which traps water in a really nice way. And then like if you're going farther south, you might have that marine sedimentary soil where the you know roots really have to work. It's it's not going to have that same like juiciness. It'll be a little bit like tannic, a little more like, yeah, you could say that, but more along the lines of like savory in my experience. Um, but, you know, like you're we're growing grapes around this state. Southern Oregon wines are really great. I mean, even into the Columbia River Gorge, Hayu Wine Farm is becoming huge around the world um, for those Columbia River Gorge wines. And you have stuff coming out of the Dalles. Like there, there is wine grown all over the state. And it's really spectacular. Also, what sets us apart is just like the ethos of our wine industry. Like I just learned that we have the strictest labeling laws in the country. And to me, that's so Oregon. Like, the, <laughs> so for those listening, the you know, the federal government obviously has laws about how you label stuff. But Oregon was like, we're going to like one up all of this. We're going to have stricter guidelines. And you can't say this is Oregon wine unless this, 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 and this. You have to have X amount of grapes to even say it's a Pinot Noir. Yeah. It's just like artisanal to a point where I think other people would be like, all right, calm down. But like, not Oregon. <laughs> percent. Yeah. And it's funny because you'll like talk to winemakers even like I remember tasting at Day Wines and I remember the server being like, well, we can't technically call this a Pinot because it has like 5% like Gamay in it. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? And it's yeah. like that's that's the kind of stuff where it was like we're really, really diligent about making sure that um, there's truth in advertising in terms of how we label wine. Another thing that I love to remind people, the wine industry was not created by Oregonians. Like it was 
it was created by transplants, you know? And I find that also really interesting because it has like this pioneering spirit. And I feel like that is what Oregon feels like, like very individualistic. I'm going to do things my way. Um, And I feel like that's where our Pinot, you know, industry kind of grew. So I'm not trying to like, you know, rub salt in Oregonian (laughs) wounds. I'm just saying transplants can be okay, you guys. Like, (laughs) I mean, David Lett, who cultivated the very first Pinot Noir and Pinot Gris, um, his nickname is like Papa Pinot. He he came from, I mean, he was born in Chicago, but like (laughs) he came from California. Like he was going to school at UC Davis, which everybody has seems to go to for their fermentation uh, degrees or whatever. But yeah, he came up because he he saw, he looked at California. He's like, yeah, this is pretty inundated. Um, I'm gonna go somewhere else. And his teachers were like, dude, go to Oregon. No one's doing it there. And it's beautiful. (laughs) And I mean, like, that's the other thing is it, it made sense to plant Pinot in Oregon because you have this climate that is like very rain heavy um, and we cool down at night. So like grapes just get this ability to really ripen slowly, develop those nuances. And like, you know, there's a reason that we don't talk the same way about California Pinot in many ways, and it's because it's hotter. So I, I'm just like not... <laughs> <laughs> Way to just Debbie Downer, Brooke. Say it, I just, just say, it. say it. <laughs> it's like, you know, hopefully climate change still allows us. Yeah, it's true. I feel like we're talking a lot about wine. We're talking about what we like in wine. I'm sure people are listening are like, cool, I would like wine, please. Yeah. What are your like top three wine bars in the city? to enjoy Oregon wine (laughs) or just wine in general, you know? Yeah. Oh God. I've, I have so many wine bars that I just adore. It's like, you can only say three. Ah! Okay. (laughs) I have very similar taste to Jane at Dame. Um, We have really similar palettes. And um, during the pandemic, when Dame kind of became a bottle shop, um, they were selling bottles like for delivery. And I discovered so many wines I really adored through that program of just being like, I don't know, pick some stuff. I like high acid. I like minerality. I like salinity. And, um, you know, she would pick out these cool, cool wines. Mm-hmm. It, it feels odd to think of it as a wine bar anymore because it really has become something so different and so much more. Um, so I'm just shouting that out. It doesn't count. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, I you're trying you're trying to get around this. You're being tricky. So I just for those listening, Dame is out in Northeast Killingsworth, right? Is it? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's right in that like intersection with everything cool. It's like 30th <laughs> yeah. in Killingsworth with like Toy Shop Ramen and Gabianos and all those. Yeah. I'm gonna just go with my heart and I'm just gonna say the first three that come to mind. So then in that case, we just mentioned Dame. I'm counting Dame now. Okay, omens. I love drinking wine at OK Omens. Brent Braun, so smart in terms of how he builds a wine list. Um, I think that everything is described in a way that is like very tangible to someone who doesn't know anything about wine. Um, so you can be like, <laughs> you know, like, I don't I don't know what mouthfeel is or bouquet or whatever. And that's not at all how that wine list is written. It's very much in this way where it's like you're licking a salt rock and you're sitting in an herb garden. You're like, I think I know what that means. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's more like these little like tone poems. <laughs> right. 100% that. Um, something I like about OK Omens List also is that like I can 
you know, the list is split between like wild side stuff, which I know you and I have talked about that I like natural wine and you don't like natural wine. I like natural wine. Oh, since when, Claudia? (laughs) (laughs) I said, I said, I said, I thought orange wine might be a bit overhyped. I never said I hated natural. I feel like I got a really bad rap out of that one. Just so you know, guys, we we spoke once on the podcast. I gave Brooke my hot take and it's ruined me in Brooke's mind forever. (laughs) Yeah, forever. No. Um, I, I like all wine. I like traditional expressions. I like weird expressions. And OK Omens does both, right? So you have like a side of a list where it's like, of a more traditional profile or whatever and a side that is like on the wild side and I can really find something that I want on either side depending on my mood and again I think that Bren has an ability to like find people right as they're coming up um I drank my first loop-de-loop wine and I just want to pause you there because listeners I just want you to know that we spoke to Brent Braun um from OK Omens we actually talked to him and the 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 topic was his his natural wines of fad which does not prove that I (laughs) (laughs) which is really not proving my point that I actually love natural wines but we spent like 10 minutes talking about loop-de-loop um which is actually not Mm -hmm. Oregon it's in Washington but it feels like an Oregon wine and I think we're just gonna claim it we're just going to claim it. Sorry. Sorry, haters. <laughs> Sorry, Washington. That's our wine. Now. That's our wine. That energy. Yeah, the energy there is also very Oregon. Like, I think Brent has a good, like, nose for what's going to be really huge in a bit. The My last two are going to be the bars. So Bar Diane and Bar Norman. So one on the west side, one on the east side. Bar Diane. I'm looking at that. I don't think I've ever yeah, been there. Yeah, Bar Diane is on the west side. It's, like, off of, I want to say, 21st. First? Yeah. I love it there. I love the way that room feels, but also the wines are always really cool, really interesting. And again, you're going to have a nice balance of Oregon bottles and um, actual champagnes and stuff like that. Um, Bar Norman um, from Dana Frank, who is kind of a celebrity in town in terms of wine stuff. It's like ultimately very cool in there. And again, really cool wines. Um, some Definitely some Oregon representation. Um, Dana mm, okay. at least has some deep connection to bow and arrow wines of an urban winery. I think Scott Frank is kind of considered like the person behind it, but Dana is married to Scott. So you have tons of Oregon wine there regularly, consistently, but also like, you know, you're going to have some interesting Piedmontese skin contact wines or whatever. Right. There too. right. So it's, it's just fun. You can, and it's, it looks really cool in there. You have like this like seafoam green bar. That's, I don't know. I, I, I like the vibes. Yeah. I mean, those are those are all excellent choices. Mm-hmm. You know, you just mentioned Bow and Arrow, which is an urban winery that we have. Like, what is your absolute favorite? Like, if you had to just pick one, which you will only pick one, Brooke. Um, what? <laughs> no, Brooke's face. She's quitting. Urban. <laughs> of the urban wineries. Yeah. If, if someone was like, okay, because I think a lot of people don't know that Portland, the city, actually does make wine, you know, tons, it, which tons is crazy. Like my favorite used to be Garagiste. Um, it was Jean-Marc before he left. He, he moved to the Dells, but he was actually making it literally in his garage on Killingsworth. And then he had a shop called Garagiste on Killingsworth um, where he had small plates and his wife was cooking. And then during the pandemic, that shut down and he was literally serving wine from his garage. I don't know because he still had, you know, his license. Uh, and so we would just go to his house and drink wine and eat cake. And to me, 
if you want to know about Portland wineries, like Portland winemakers, it's that chill and it's that awesome. Um, where, where where could someone go? I mean, they can't go to someone's garage, but. <laughs> okay, I'm going to kind of cheat. Um, and I'm going to say Le Cave, a.k.a. Golden Cluster, a.k.a. Ovum. So that's kind of two. Le Cave. So Le Cave is a wine bar on Alberta. Um, it's like down a flight of stairs, really like subterranean. And like, there's like a little cove thing you can climb into and you're like, Ooh, I'm drinking wine. It's a great, it's a great bar. Yeah. Very, very cool. But it's actually owned by two urban winemakers, um, behind the label Ovum and, and Golden Cluster. Um, and I love, love, love those wines. I think that, um, Golden Cluster, really, really cool stuff consistently. Um, and then Ovum, I mean, everyone on the planet in Portland that drinks wine has probably had some version of, of Big Salt. Mm-hmm. Um, I love Big Salt. Yeah. It's like, if it's like, I want a good glass of wine. I don't have to think about it. I can grab a bottle of Big Salt. So uh, that's probably my answer. So it's like, it is an urban winery in that it's like you're drinking their wine and they own the building, but you know. Yeah, that's a great place. I feel like that might be a really good start for someone if you want like to know about like or like Portland made wine, I feel like go to Lake Hove. Like that is such an awesome spot for that. Um, but like for those who are interested in Oregon wine culture but don't know where to start, I I my answer for this I think might surprise people, but I stand by it. Oregon wines on Broadway is this place that's been in that building for like oh I love that place. a decade at least. Um, but it's downtown. It's like in the building with Tercet. Um. I mean, that is a, a a masterclass, like in terms of just like being able to get a full understanding of the history of the region, um, people who are really supportive and knowledgeable and like a good range of wines for like a really wide range of drinkers. Um, I think that place is probably a good place to start. Mm-hmm. I hear Division Wines is also pretty cool. Oh, of course. Yeah. On Division. I just want to give him a shout out because I have a friend uh, who actually works at a wine shop. I was going to say, hey, if you guys are in North Portland. Um, and you just want like very unpretentious, let's talk about wine, let's learn about wine and let's drink it. Uh, 45th parallel. I could spend a day at 45th parallel. Yeah. I love it there. I mean, that's the other thing. I am being tortured because I have so many places I would mention, <laughs> like, but so much fun, so unpretentious, like so accessible. Cause it's like the kind of bar where like, it does, it feels like a clubhouse. You just go in, everyone will talk to you and you can know nothing about wine and everyone who works there is very sweet. And that's actually why I said division wines because someone who works there loves going to division wine. Yeah. Um, I think that that totally makes sense. Um, I think division wines is like a classic if in terms of le- wanting to learn about natural wine, it, it it's like, you can't not mention Ardor, Ardor natural wines. Um, it's really pretty inexpensive. Where's it? At? I think, um, it's, it's on Belmont. Um, but like, I think, like, again, a really good, well-rounded range of wines there. And they have a cute little wine bar next door. Brooke, as always, a pleasure to speak with you about literally anything. Absolutely. What, what we'll do is we'll just leak everything that we said. We're going to put it in the show notes. And uh, please, it's, it's, it's Oregon Wine Month. God's sake, go drink some wine. Yeah, it's, I mean, you have so many places to do it. You have no excuse. <laughs> <laughs> And now for your microdose of news. 
Portland Public School Board discussed proposed security changes at local schools this week, including whether police should provide security nearby. Students, parents, and administrators were all split on increasing police presence near the schools. Another proposed solution involves purchasing high-tech weapon detection systems. This week's hearing came after several recent shootings near local campuses. And the Portland police have stepped up issuing tickets for drug possession. The city had lagged behind smaller towns in ticketing for drug offenses ever since Measure 110 decriminalized the possession of drugs. The law gives people a choice between calling a statewide substance abuse hotline or paying a $100 fine. The Oregonian reports police issued twice as many tickets in the first eight days of May as they did throughout all of April. For even more local news and events, sign up for our daily newsletter, Hey Portland. We'll throw a link in the show notes. Well, that's all for us today here on CityCast Portland. If you enjoyed the show, why not tell a friend about it? You could also leave us a rating or a review. I'm lead producer John Natariani in for Claudia Meza. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more from around the city. Until then, see you at Slim's. <laughs>